Welcome back to Puncher's Chance with Pinnacle, the podcast that covers boxing betting from every angle. I'm your host, Chris McCarthy, and here's wishing all of our listeners a profitable and prosperous 2021. Now, given that we're just at the start of the year, there's somewhat surprisingly an awful lot of boxing ahead to analyse. We've got a special show lined up today. As usual, I'm joined by the ever-insightful Tom Craze from the Boxing Betting Show, whilst boxing matchmaker and fight figure Richard Poxon joins us alongside this man. And quite the introduction, pal. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it brings back uh, memories of some of the amazing nights that you had in your career. It's great, obviously, to have you with us. Uh, really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insight. Uh, how have you been keeping, first of all, during these, I suppose, what are these crazy times of like? Yeah, first of all, no, great to be on with you, boys. But um, no, I think, listen, like everyone, it's, it's not ideal, but. I think sort of I'm one of the luckier ones, you know, sort of working with professional boxers. It comes under the elite sports category. So I'm in the gym a little bit, staying half sane with them, um, doing little bits of boxing. So that's that's helping a lot. But obviously, um, just opened a new, well, not open a new gym. There's a new gym ready there to go with the kids, uh, the amateur club and that. Obviously, that's that's not allowed, to, not allowed to open for them, which isn't great. But listen, it's we're um, there's a lot, more people worse off than me. So, you know, you've got to be thankful there is some normality. We're getting little bits of boxing. It's starting up again very soon. And uh, But other than that, mate, no, I'm all good, thank you. Nice. Uh, and Rich, obviously, it's great to have you on, pal, to share your boxing insight and knowledge. And Tom, as ever, it's always a pleasure. How the pair of you been keeping? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, pal. I'm, uh, like Ant says, it's, you know, it's difficult. Thanks for asking me on. Uh, it's good. Me and Ant talk a lot. It's, doing these kind of things is good because it's just... It, it's talking about something different rather than watching news every five minutes to see what latest, uh, latest lockdown is. So, yeah, I'm keeping all right, pal, just ticking over. And you, Tom, how have you been keeping, pal? You all, you all good? Yeah, all good, Chris. Um, back again, as ever, um, for, uh, for more of the same. And, and Rich, um, great to have you on and, and good to chat to you as well. Now, looking back at the last episode we covered, there wasn't too many surprises between Anthony Joshua and Kubrat Pulev. Joshua dominated what was probably an age in Pulev and stopped him fairly comfortably inside nine rounds. And that fight was then followed a week later as the brilliant Mexican Sal Canelo Alvarez stamped his authority as the world's best pound-for-pound fighter with a very convincing unanimous decision win over Callum Smith. Um, but the one fight that really did capture the imagination and even somewhat surprise boxing betters was this. Body shot. And he goes down. And now Campbell is down on a knee. Two knees. He's asking questions. He's asking, do I want to get up? Can I 
Now, and I'll I'll start with you. Firstly, I mean, what a fight that was between uh, Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell. Firstly, what were your thoughts on the fight? How it played yeah. out, and I guess from a betting angle for our listeners, did you notice any kind of major strengths or weaknesses in Garcia's performance that would kind of worry you, yeah. or when he eventually does step up to that real world class level? Mate, well, look, for me, first of all, I thought it was a fantastic performance from Ryan Garcia. Listen, knocked down aside, and listen, Luke did have you know moments where he landed some nice shots, but Luke's always going to be a world class fighter. He's one of the best lightweights in the world outside of you know the champions. For me, that was the night that Ryan Garcia really come out, which is coming out party. And um, you know, you've got to remember, you know, before it, this this kid, because he is a kid. This kid, you know, he's a social media superstar. He's a superstar, not just on social media. Uh, the following that he has. And, you know, even right down to, it was almost Nazim Hamid, like, you know, he got carried out on a throne. With that comes huge pressure. And for him to handle it, for him to put in that performance, yeah, he went down. And he, listen, he went down pretty heavy. But what was, for me, was so, like, you know, impressive was how he dealt with it. Because, like I said, let's, you know, let's be honest. The knockdown aside, and Luke, Luke had little spells in the fight, but he, you know, he wasn't not saying he was outclassed or anything like that. But Garcia dominated; he dominated the fight against the top top lightweight, and that was uh, for me. He proved to everyone that he was for real. And I was over in Texas just the week or two weeks before, obviously with Callum um, Callum Smith Canelo, and the confidence from their team. I was thinking, no. Oh, <laughs> it must be for real the confidence that they were speaking with. I spoke to Rich about it. And um, for me, the strengths we've seen, we've seen the engine on him for a start for him to the power shots. He was, he was throwing power shots all night. Um, he didn't come away from his game plan. I think um, Edwin also, very, very good trainer. I think um, fantastic trainer. I think the thing for me was, which I found a little bit confusing was, you was, I know you mentioned about, you know, do you see things you're worried about? And yeah. listen, yeah, he went over. He went, and he went over ever. But he recovered almost instantly. But I saw a lot of people on social media going, oh, you know, he's really good. But uh, just keep him away from the champions for now. Like, you know, your you Tank Davis, um, your Haynes, your Lopez's. Lomachenko, for some reason, <laughs> everyone's forgot about. <laughs> um, yeah. It's... It's, um, and they're just, you know, talking about the top four, which Lomachenko, without a doubt, is in. But for some reason, he's not getting mentioned much. Um, <laughs> know, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. But it's mental. It's absolutely mental. But I think, but Garcia, I think, well, hang on, like, when is he going to be? I mean, listen, he's only going to improve. But I'm like, that was very, very impressive for me. And in, in the fight with Campbell there, I'm like, well, yeah, the, the Davis knockout against Santa Cruz was unbelievable. Probably the knockout of the year in a lot of people's opinion. Yeah. In that, he also thought Santa Cruz was a much smaller man. And I'm not listening, it was an unbelievable knockout. But you've got to put Garcia's knockout. They might have not been as ruthless on the eye, but that, that was a, a huge body shot. Do you know what I mean? So I'm a bit like, how could you say... I'm listening, but listen, I'm not saying he does the same to Davis, but I think... You've got to put him in, in that bracket, you know, with those, with your, with your Davis, with your Haynes. Um, I think you've got to put him in that now, do you know, after that, such an impressive yeah, win. Yeah, for sure, definitely. We've now heard since, and we've not heard it from anyone else but Garcia, that it's confirmed that um, he's talking about fighting Manny Pacquiao. But, um, no, I think, listen, there's, there's no denying. He's, um, the kid's for real. He can really fight. 
And um, I look forward to following the journey. Like I was over in um, Las Vegas a few years ago and it was just, I was just talking to him and he actually looked about 14 years old. But, <laughs> and it's away from the cameras and I'm talking to him, nice guy. And, and he was saying, I was saying, oh, about what's next? And he was mad. He was like, no one was there. He was mad for the Gavonte Davis fight back then, which I would have thought would have been a crazy move. But um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, he wants to fight the best. He wants to fight the best. And like I said, I, I believe he's the real deal. Well, he's shown it last time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally agree on them. Uh, everything you pretty much said. I mean, moving to you, Rich, I know Ant touched on it um, a little bit and he spoke about the Javonta Davis fight. And obviously, Ryan Garcia does seem the type of character that wants to kind of get in the mix and fight these kind of big fights sooner rather than later. I mean, looking back at that Luke Campbell fight, if, let's say, hypothetically, that was Javonta Davis that landed that left hook, would the outcome have been different? And, I mean, would he have, would he have even got up, let alone survived that? It's difficult to say, isn't it? Because every, you know, every fight's different, but there's no doubt about it. Javonta's probably, you know, he's a much bigger puncher than Luke. And I think me and Ant touched on it at the time. Like Ant's just said, Garcia did go down so heavy. His arm had gone behind him. He'd, you know, he were absolutely buzzed, weren't he? But he, you can't knock him in the, the speed of the recovery and how he came back. So, yeah, look, if, if Davis had landed that clean shot, You'd have, you'd have bet he probably wouldn't have got up, but you, you can't count against it as we as we know it's a boring old cliche. But anything happens in a fight, isn't it? it's it's uh, it's difficult to say. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, going on to you, Tom. I know me and you obviously discussed this fight at length on our last show, and it was almost as if almost as if a bit of everything happened. What we talked about, which is doesn't happen too often. <laughs> um, Garcia was around about 70% chance with Pinnacle in the betting market, which we did kind of question ourselves. I mean, the bet yeah. landed in the end, and ultimately, if listeners, listeners had a backed Garcia, you would have got paid out, but you also would have probably shaved about 10 years off your life expectancy at the same time. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what were your thoughts on his performance, and give, did it give you confidence as a boxing better yourself to want to back him against potentially some of the elite champions in the weight class like Ant and Rich touched upon with the likes of Javonta Davises, the likes of Teofimo Lopez, Lomachenko. Did that fight breed any kind of confidence in you to say that, right, you know, this guy is the real deal? Because to me, when I was looking at it, he did look the real deal, but it also looked like there was kind of potentially big vulnerabilities there. Yeah, I mean... Like the like the chats have already said, I was I was hugely impressed with with Garcia. And what I liked is that you came away from it thinking, or you can, you kind of came away from it almost convinced at what you'd seen. There was no controversial ending, and the you know you're looking on Twitter and, and kind of what was nice about it was that everyone was in agreement, or kind of in agreement that you know he'd arrived. And before the fight, it was all yeah, he's you know an Instagram star, and 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 all of that is still true. But everyone was kind of so impressed by what they saw that for me, it, it, as Ant said, it did feel like he's arrived. And I think it's a really good point. You talk about this, you know, the, the Fab Four or the Fantastic Four at lightweight plus the fight, the fifth in Lomachenko. But now in, in Campbell, Garcia already has a better win than, say, Davis. You know, Davis is, has been lumped in with that, but he hasn't really beaten a, a, a lightweight. You know, Santa Cruz was... Totally you know, agree. They were fighting at 130, 135. Davis is beating Gamboa as like, but you know, 
to all intents and purposes, he looks, you know, he and Garcia, Davis and Garcia, both look world, world class to the eye. But for people to be ranking Davis as a lightweight ahead of Garcia is, is nonsense um, to me. And yeah, look, I, I mean, in terms of the fight, it, I would have liked to see Campbell just step on the gas a little bit after that knockout. So I, I would have liked to see what happened if he had really gone hell for leather and just pushed for that stoppage in the second round. But I mean, at, at the same time, you can't really fault Garcia. I've, I've got no reason to, like, to, to be stopping Luke Campbell um, at the age of 22, after being knocked down so early, it, it's it's one of those where I'm I'm quite happy to give him the benefit of the doubt. And look, Chris, we spoke a lot in the on the last show about how, you know, the question of whether Luke Campbell was value, and I, certainly a lot of British fans did think that. Um, it's not one that I went for in the end, and I know you were you were quite keen on Garcia even at the price. But look, I think you have to lump him in there. There's there's no reason that I can see that you would exclude Garcia from that mix now if you're including um, Davis and, and even Haney as well. Yeah, because I mean, looking at it from what, the way I kind of saw it as well, it's more like his powers of recovery were almost remarkable from that knockdown because like, I think Ant touched on it as well. It's not, it wasn't, a, like Luke isn't particularly a heavy, heavy puncher, but that was a heavy punch and it put him down and it was almost as if, because when, when he come back, uh, Campbell kind of backed off a little bit and it was everyone that I've seen people kind of discussing it online saying you know why didn't he go for the finish but like you know yourself and when if you go in for the finish I mean he was probably still feeling the punches whether they was even yeah. on the arms or on the top of the head or anywhere you can kind of tell whether someone's still a live dog and obviously he was still a live dog and it kind of shocked me in a way that he kind of come back from that so so well because he looked as if, I mean, that was a big shot, wasn't it? It was a flush left hand straight on, put him down. And it was almost if he, I mean, he got up after about two seconds. So, I mean, that was yes. what looked for me. That was obviously like a, a great asset that he's got. But it will be uh, it will be interesting to see how he moves on uh, forward. I mean, that that moves us on nicely to what is currently the hot top, hottest topic in boxing. And that is that we're on the verge of witnessing potentially one of the great lightweight eras. I mean, if we look at... What we have in the lightweight division right now, we've got Tiafimo Lopez, like we discussed, Javonta Davis, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, and like you touched upon, a forgotten man almost, which seems completely yeah. crazy, Vasily Lomachenko. Um, they're going to have to eventually fight each other. And now I'm not in any way comparing this right now to the famous Four Kings era. So before anyone gives me an absolute roasting for that, <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to do. But could they all potentially follow each other up the weights and meet multiple times? I mean, Tom, I'll go to you. As, as someone who's at the early prices for a handful of these fights, priced across certain books, what's your take on some of these prices? And out of those contenders right now, who do you feel from what you've seen so far could be the last man standing between these kind of this elite five as such? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So if, if we say the five, again, you've got Lopez, who I think, you know, Lopez has to be considered the number one guy, having beaten, you know, the pound for pound, arguably number one, you know, number two, probably three at worst in Lomachenko. So he's the kind of de facto number one at the moment. There's been a few price, uh, sorry, there's been a few fights priced up, uh, not all of them, but there, there, there are a fair few combinations here. So I'll just quickly run through um, some of the odds that I have seen. Um, Tiafimo Lopez against Ryan Garcia um, not really a fight that's been talked about just yet Lopez is the strong favourite there uh, one to three favourites so 75% uh, 
uh, implied probability. Garcia out at nine to four, so it's bigger than two to one. Um, Teofimo Lopez, Javonta Davis, the bookies make that much closer. They say Lopez is again the favorite, um, so he's eight to 13, so it's at 1.62, um, 62% they reckon uh, for him to win that, and Davis at uh, 2.25, so 44%. Um, a fight we've heard more about, and we, we mentioned it a minute ago there, uh, Davis versus Garcia. I think this is one that a lot of people really want to see, and it, by all accounts, it's the one that the fighters want, um, if not next, then very soon. Bookies reckon that is a Davis fight. He's the 4-11 to 11 favorite, so 1.36. 73% uh, likely to win that, the bookies say. Garcia out at 15-8, to 2.88, um, which is... Uh, nearly uh, nearly two to one, 35 percent on that one. Uh, then it starts getting interesting with a few of the others, and they're quite close in terms of the odds. Uh, the Lopez versus Lomachenko rematch, and this is this is probably the closest of the lot. Um, Lopez is the general favorite, so eight to 11, uh, 1.72, 58 percent likely. Uh, Lomachenko is the underdog in the rematch. Um, 11 to 10, so 2.1, um, just, well, it's at around 48%. What's interesting with this one is though some firms have it the other way around and they flip it. And now, obviously, if that fight gets made and, it, you know, that kind of discrepancy would be um, wiped away very quickly, uh, you know, as, as the prices get pushed together. But there is a bit of disagreement. I think you could even argue that, you know, Lomachenko, you know, it, it was that a one-off for Lopez. We, we, you know, we don't know. We've got no reason to think that. But at the same time, you can see why Lomachenko might be favoured with some firms. Um, Lomachenko Davis is again an interesting one. This is really close to even money. The pair um, Lomachenko is a slight favourite, um, five to six, or sorry, six to five on. So one point eight three, fifty-five percent. Uh, Davis about even money and just a little bit bigger. So about 42% on Javonta Davis. Uh, and then a really interesting one. And I think probably the one that we'll see first out of all of these, to be honest, um, would be Devin Haney against Ryan Garcia. Uh, and the bookies make Devin Haney the favourite. Uh, 8 to 13, 1.62, again, 62%. Uh, and Garcia, 5 to 4, uh, 2.25 and 44%, which is the same price actually as the uh, Lopez versus Davis fight. Now, that's a lot of numbers I've just thrown at you there. And one thing I, I want to flag is that, to be honest, personally, I don't think we're going to see, as, as much as it would be nice to think that we're going to see all of these guys fight each other, fight each other, fight each other, I've got a feeling we're going to be disappointed. I think, and, and you know, Rich, you'll know this better than uh, anyone on this call, but Davis Garcia is going to be a really tricky fight to make, I think, um, you know, politically. And Lopez... I believe he's been uh, mandated to fight George Cambosos next anyway. But my fear with Lopez and kind of fighting the rest of the guys here is that he's such a big lightweight. I, I really think that Lopez, especially where he is at the moment with top rank, you know, away from PBC, away from the zone, might not have the options unless they, you know, they really come together. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Lopez steps up to lightweight, uh, sorry, light welter and kind of ruins the idea of this, um, this fab four coming through. Um, I mean, as for who I think is going to end up on top, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, if, if we say that, I'll use my logic, I'll say that I think Lopez is going to exit the division before we get the chance to prove it. 
I hope yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, which kind of leaves Davis Garcia um, and Haney, assuming that Lomachenko won't be around long enough to fight all of them, which may be, again, or may not be the case. Um, I think probably if, if I had to pick one of them to, to triumph now, I'd probably say Davis just, just because I think, I know, I know it goes against everything I said a minute ago about him not being proven at lightweight, but for me, he looks the, really the complete package. And I just think he's got, if he can pow, carry that power up to lightweight, um, and I agree with Ant, I don't think we necessarily saw that proven against Santa Cruz, you know, with him being such a smaller guy. Um, I think Davis has just maybe the higher ceiling, but it's between him and Garcia for the, uh, for the crown, I think, right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, some very interesting points there. Uh, Rich, obviously, I'll go to you. Um, after hearing them odds and obviously the way that things are evolving, if you put in your matchmaker and promoter's head on, um, firstly, do you think we're going to see any of these fights in the near future? And did any of them odds kind of stand out or surprise you? Who's your kind of pick the bunch between this crop of, crop of lightweights at the moment? Well, as most people who know me in boxing will tell you, whoever I bet on, Better. <laughs> I, I haven't had a winner since Red Run won national. I end up betting, but unfortunately, I end up betting with my heart. But I think, look, it's promotionally to get them together, you know, it is. There's no denying it's different. They're all, everybody's kind of with a different promoter, aren't they? So matching them up and getting everybody eventually under lights is going to be really difficult. I think for myself, I. I believe in Lopez a lot. I think he, if he stays at the weight, he's still only young. He's like, yeah, he's had a great win at, at lightweight. Does he jump straight out of that and move up? I'm not so sure he does straight away. I think he, I think he might hang around a little while yet. And if he does, I'd, uh, I'd put him on top definitely. I think him and Davis would be a great fight. But at 22 year old, still growing, still getting stronger, still maturing, improving, I'd probably just maybe edge him against Javante. But I wouldn't do that with any certainty. I, def I would definitely won't want to be betting one of my bikes on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Andy, I mean, I'll, I'll go to you. I mean, you've been in there with Lomachenko mm. and uh, Jorge Linares, who was another fine competitor at lightweight. So you know firsthand, obviously, how hard it is to box those guys. What's your yeah. kind of take on it all from, and I suppose from a betting angle as such, if you was to... If you were to bet on this kind of thing, who would your money be on to kind of reign supreme at the end of it all? To be um, top of the pile, it's just such, such a tough one. It wouldn't be with great certainty. I think, as was said earlier, unfortunately, we're not going to see a lot of these fights happen because of whether it be promotional ties, but more so, I think, sort of people outgrowing the weight. I was, um, again, you know, Seeing Lopez close up, I mean, this uh, he's the biggest lightweight I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, I sit, I, you know, I was reading from that. I'm looking at him. He didn't look, he didn't look chubby. Or he weren't listen, he was carrying weight, like just the back on him and stuff. And I thought, how's he going to make one three five again? Um, I think, you know, it may, being top rank, I wouldn't be surprised to be seeing fight um, the Josh Taylor Ramirez winner for uh, the top dog at one forty because then. Obviously, for his career, he's done it at 135. He's then done it at 140. If he is to win there, and that's what that's the route I feel he will go. But I'm not sure, like Rich said, I just I'd be very surprised if we see him rematch Lomachenko. Uh, be very surprised. And I think I mentioned it earlier for me, 
I probably not just <laughs> because I've been on the receiving end. I probably even to the even to a the point with Lopez, although he won last time, so I don't. I thought the scorecard was quite a bit out, but I thought the right man won. Uh, certainly won. But you know, I think I was listening to the odds there, and I think one of the I think once the they move Lomachenko favourite still in the rematch, but I think you'd have to. I think, in my opinion, he probably would still start favourite against um, any of them. Lopez aside, however, I think Rich said, "Oh, one of you said, I'm not sure how much longer he is going to be about." Um, so if we did, if we did take him out of the equation, it's. I think it's again Ryan Garcia is such a big, a big. Um, Lad for the weight, do you know Haney's? He's not. I think we're going to see them all at higher weight, bar Lomachenko and um, and Davis. You know, yeah. Davis short. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's, you know, everyone's just talking, some... kind of talking about it as like the lightweight era, but it's not to say that in the two near distant future we're going to see him. I think we're going to see a lot of them at 147 even. That's what that's what I think, and um, but I think. Any value in the bets you've just said is, I think going off the last fight, you've got to look at Garcia. He starts the underdog in a few of those fights. But again, it won't be, I think that just because of the value, it won't be because they'd have great yeah. confidence. Um, you know, we mentioned, I think the biggest puncher out of the lot is certainly Gavonte Davis. However, we mentioned then, I just don't see how you could rate him higher than Garcia at lightweight going off to Santa Cruz, as great as he's been. He's, you know, he's, he's barely a super featherweight, never mind a lightweight. It's just, listen, I really hope we see it. But I think the only value I sort of, the value, the best value I see, I think, is um, is in the, you know, the fights with Garcia. Because he sort of starts an underdog. Not a massive underdog, but he starts a slight underdog in all of them, really, doesn't he? You, you mentioned you don't yeah. see the Lomachenko-Lopez rematch. Um, what do you think Lomachenko does if he doesn't get a, a fight with one of these lightweights? Well, I think... <sighs> He says he could still do one um, one thirty fine, doesn't he? I mean, that's mm. a possibility. But I, I think, I think some will come. But I'm just not sure whether we'll see him in with um, Lopez. And like I say, I'm not sure if we see Lopez back down at one thirty five again. Um, but it's crazy to think. I've, I've mentioned it a few times now, but just how how he's been overlooked. So you know, one one fight, um, you know, a close loss to an elite fighter in Lopez. I think is mental. So I still think there's huge fights out there for him. But you would think, yeah, he probably is at the tail end of his career. He's been around a long time. I know he's not had many professional fights, but an amateur career of 400 fights, you don't think there's going to be too many more in them. But you, you would think there's at least a few big nights left yet. Um, at what weight, that remains to see. But I certainly don't see him going any higher than lightweight. So if, it's not, if there's nothing at lightweight, you expect him to drop down to super feather. Yeah, I mean, totally agree in points. We'll finish off. I'll go to, to you, Rich. I mean, if you could only see one fight being made between those four, which would it be and kind of who would you pick? So if you could pick the two fighters that you think are most likely to get made, who would, and who would you pick to actually come out on top of that? Well, that's an hard one, Chris, when you look at names in top five or six. You'd have to go with... I mean, look, we've we kind of ignored Devin Haney, who's a fantastic fighter, but personally, I'd love to see Lopez Davis uh, I think that would be an incredible fight. Uh, which way would I go? I, like I said, I'd edge towards Lopez, but not with a. 
I know, not with a degree of certainty. What would be best bet on that one, Tom, do you think? I think, you know, maybe at the price, Davis, I think it's, I'm a little bit surprised that's opened up quite as wide as it has. Um, you know, Davis, three to one on. I think, you know, on performance and on record so far, there's probably a bit of value in Garcia there at nine to four or so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously looking at this, it's it's a fascinating division, is it? And like, let's just hope that we do get these fights made. And obviously talking to all three of you, I get the sense that this is obviously the conversation that you want to have as boxing fans. You want to be kind of intrigued, to, you know, who is going to win, you know, loads of different opinions and vice versa. So to get these fights that actually can happen, we're going to have like a really good kind of mix of obviously going to be quite difficult pricing up these fights for a start but also it's going to be fascinating for boxing fans and betters we'll move on we've got um a few intriguing fights coming up that are outside of that division although not too far outside of them firstly in the super featherweight division there's kind of a fight that's gone under the radar a little bit that i wanted to get you guys opinion on um in my opinion this has got potential to be one of the fights of the year i mean an all-mexican affair between miguel Bertrell and oscar valdez it's for the WBC title. Fireworks. <laughs> yeah, and I imagine, I mean, the, the, the two styles of these two, I would, um, I can't imagine this is going to be too much of a tickling contest. Um, so, I mean, now Pinnacle have got Burchell priced up at 1.294 and Valdez is 3.70, which equates to around about, about a 75% chance of Burchell. So he's a fairly heavy favourite. Um, but Valdez can really fight. I mean, that might even come as a come as a shock for some listeners. Um, and I'll go to you. Do you looking at that? Do you think then prices are fair? I mean, how do you see this one going? I mean, first, I think great fight. I think the great prices if you fancy Valdez. <laughs> yeah. I, I really do. I what's it called? I think that. Uh, listen, Burchell is um, an unbelievable fight. Listen, I'm not saying I've said it there like I really fancy Valdez to do a job. Um, I'm going to go with Valdez. I am going to go with Valdez. Um, what? Yeah, I'm going to go with Valdez. But um, I think, again, um, I don't know if I've been brainwashed a little bit, but just obviously he's in the um, Reynoso camp, isn't he, Valdez? Yeah. Um, I've just really, really impressed it with him as a trainer. Burchell, although he is, believe it or not, he's the younger guy, He's, um, he seems to have been around for a long time, but the wars, the wars that he had with Vargas. And, yeah. and listen, he's, he's an unbelievable fighter, but I just, you mentioned there, I don't see how this can be possibly be a bad fight. If, um, no. <laughs> I would, do you, I, listen, I think we're going to see fight of the year in February, or certainly one of them. Um, this, listen, neither, neither are ever in a bad fight. I'm, just like I said, with with um, Valdez, although he's slightly older, he's, I believe he's the slightly fresher. And I believe in a fight like this, it might come in. It, I think it will come into play. Um, I think great odds for him. But um, again, listen, it's, it's not with great confidence I'm saying that. But I cannot wait for it. I just I'd like to see the punch count in this. Or I wouldn't like to be doing the punch count in this. Sorry, um, they're in for a job. But I just I just see him. All out Mexican war, I really do. It's, um, I think it's going to be an unbelievable fight. Um, big fan of Valdez, even before he beat um, Palomani Scott Quigg. And, and that night, listen, Scott, Scott missed weight coming much the bigger guy. And you know, he that was that was a hard, hard night for him. 
with Scott and, you know, being in the room with him speaking about him. I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not comparing Scott to Burchell, but he's... Um, both men have, do you know what I mean? They've, they've earned the stripes, haven't they? First out more than one occasion. Um, I I just go, I just believe the freshness of Valdez will be the difference. And uh, and Rich, uh, obviously, hadn't touched upon there. He's going for the uh, for the underdog at 3.70, which is just a 25% chance. Um, do you see any kind of different outcome here, or are you more favouring the, the favourite in this fight, Burchell? I'm going to favour Bichel because, and I know what Anthony's saying, he thinks Valdez is a little bit fresher, but even though he's come back and had good wins since the Quig fight, which obviously I'm sure Anthony were working corner in it, if I'm right in remembering, he had a really bad jaw injury, a jaw fracture. Yeah, yeah. he's got he his jaw broke, yeah. Uh, which I think could be a contributing factor to the never, broken jaws never heal kind of perfectly. So I'm going to, I'm just because, I like to go opposite way of crawler anyway. I'm going to go with Bichel. <laughs> Again, listen, in a derby, it's like a derby match, in it? In football, anything can happen in a derby. It's two Mexicans. I don't think anyone, I don't know what odds are, Tom, you'll tell us, but I don't think anyone will be betting a 12-round draw. But I think I'm going to go for the Bichel with a, with a fair degree of confidence. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, to you, Tom, as well, obviously, Rich uh, touched upon a few points there. Obviously, as a boxing better yourself, um, I sense some will see Valdez like and touched upon as a value value pick and potentially a high price. But obviously, Bichel is class. He has been in them wars. He has he's got many miles on the clock, despite being the younger man. Um, where do you see those prices? Like, where do they sit with you? Do you think that's kind of where they should be? Or do you think, see any kind of value in Valdez or maybe even some value in Burchell? Yeah, I think it's a little bit. Um, I think it's a little bit wide, actually. I think if you're looking at Burchell at one point two nine, what's you know seventy percent. Uh, Valdez has more than a twenty seven percent chance in this fight for me. Although, if I were to pick a winner, I would say Burchell, uh, if if that makes sense. So, I think you know Burchell is more established at the way he's. I think he's on. You know, he's got the, certainly the better names under his, his um, under his belt at the uh, super feather limit as well. Um, look, I, I agree with the guys. I think history tells us that two Mexicans around about featherweight doesn't really disappoint at kind of world title level. Um, and I think we mentioned Lomachenko a minute ago. It might well be that the winner of this one moves on to fight Lomachenko, or rather Lomachenko moves down to fight the, the winner of this one, and that would be fantastic. Um, I think by the numbers, Valdez has a slightly better chance than you'll suggest, yeah. Moving on, um, another fight that I wanted to touch upon is the Jamel Herring versus Carl Frampton. Um, Frampton bidding to become a freeweight world champion, try and claim the WBA featherweight title. Uh, Pinnacle slightly favour him to do so, pricing him up at 1.709 compared to Herring, who is 2.20. So around a 44% chance for Herring and about 56% chance for Frampton. Uh, Tom, I'll go back to you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure these prices have flipped somewhat since the turn of the year, because I recall seeing Herring when I looked at the odds around about November, December. Uh, the slight favourite in this one, but it seems money's obviously come in for Frampton to swing the odds. What's your take on, on this fight and who do you see actually winning it? 
Yeah, you're, you're right, Chris. When this fight was first, um, I guess it's not, not rumoured, but kind of mooted, I think it was after Herring's fight, Frampton got in the ring um, next to Bob Arum and they, they kind of did the photos. And at that point, this fight was really announced as a, well, not announced, you know, confirmed to be a possibility. So it's great to see it finally made. Um, and, and yeah, I think March 2020, this fight opened um, with the books and Herring was the favourite and he was a stronger favourite than Frampton is now as well. Uh, it's about two to one on um, and four to nine. So 67, 69% favourite. Uh, as you say, Chris, it swung right around now. Frampton is the favourite. Uh, I wonder how much of that has come into play with the fight being in London rather than over in the States. I think there's, a, there's an element of that in it. Um, I think it's a really good fight. I think it's a really good fight. There's there's questions for both of them, aren't there? Um, you know, is is one thirty a step too far for Frampton at this kind of world level? He's, he's openly admitted he doesn't have many fights left. I think that, you know that's no secret. Um, and obviously, the big one is the size difference. You know, um, he's five six inches smaller than um, than Herring. I think on the other hand, Herring, you know. Record is very light. There's no doubt that Frampton's the, the more accomplished, the he's a better technical boxer. Um, but he has been inactive. He's had, he's had injuries. He's fought once last year. We won't hop that against him with, with lockdown and so on. But he fought once in 2019. Uh, and it's been a while since, well, it's been since Josh Warrington that he's fought anyone at world level. Um, yeah, it's, you, you know, what I think at the prices, on British soil, I would probably lean Frampton, but it's, I think the odds are just about right. But look, I've seen a lot of people arguing, just saying that Herring's going to be too big for him. The thing with that, I don't, I think Herring's necessarily the most physical fighter all of the time. You know, he is quite, he's quite tall for the weight. Um, and he looks, he's a little bit, what's the word? I don't want to say gangly, but... He's the type of fighter that if Frampton is on his game, he can get in and out of quite quickly. Um, and if Frampton looks really sharp, I think he will do the more eye-catching work. And, you know, 1.7 for Frampton, I wouldn't be rushing in. Um, but if it got any bigger around even money, I think that would be a decent bet. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing that kind of, like you touched upon some of the points there, Tom, that kind of fascinates me with this fight is that almost everyone's looking at it as if Frampton is the veteran and Heron is kind of the young upstart. But in fact, Heron's actually older than Frampton, um, which is a kind of a strange scenario considering the way that the fight's been talked about. Um, and I'll go to you, obviously, Carl, someone you know well. Um, yeah. How do you rate his chances in this one? And like Pinnacle, would you make him favourite in this or would you make kind of Heron the favourite and Frampton the underdog? Mate, it's such a tough one to call this. I... Uh... It's great when I'm everything we're talking about. I know we're on about uh, advice sort of who we go with, but some of the fights are so hard. Scott's what's what's great for a boxing fan probably isn't great for um, you know <laughs> who you'd put you you put money on, but that's just great for, you know for a boxer and the fights you want to see. But ah uh, yes yes, I'm not just out of it uh, because I know him because uh, me and Rich spoke to Jamel Herring. Uh, recently and what a story that guy has got and you know real good guy I think if he was boxing almost anyone you didn't know you'd certainly be rooting for him um, like you said big at the weight awkward southpaw and mentioned then someone who's been inactive like Carl probably your worst kind of opponent um, 
Carl as well recently had troubles outside of the ring. He now seems a lot happier now they're done and over. Um, I just, listen, it is, it is such a tough fight to call. I lean towards Carl, just mentioned them, Tommy mentioned it, um, just being, just having to be just that little bit shy. He's got to start well in this fight. And if he does, I see him um, winning on points. I think Frampton on points for me would be where my money would go. Um, and obviously his chance to sort of seal greatness, being the only freeway um, Irish world champion. But it's it's um, it's a great fight. It's a great fight, and um, another one that where boxing fans are starting for a treat. But I think it's it's one where Carl is. I think I think the odds are outright. I think they're so tight to call. Yeah, I mean, Rich. I mean, the way that obviously Ant's expressing his opinion across there, and the way that the fight is actually priced up, I get. I get the opinion that the odds are pretty spot on. The way that he's obviously everyone's kind of 50-50 down the middle. It's almost a pick and fight. Um, what's your kind of take on this one, Rick? And do you think Frampton has what it takes to come through? Um, or do you think Heron's going to have a little bit too much of him at this stage of his career? Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll disagree with the two lads. I'll be back in Heron. <laughs> oh, you might. Not, just, uh, not just to be argumentative, of course. No, I just think, you know, Carl's, Carl's been a great fighter, a great champion. I'm not sure he's big enough at the weight against the really good kids. Uh, like Anthony touched on, we spoke to, we had a good chat with Jamal, didn't we? And, and lovely, yeah. lovely kid. But, I mean, the kid's been to war. He's come back from PTSD. He's come back from upsets in his career. He's still become world champion. He's, he seemed to have a really, an antle bout for this. He, he had a pretty unbendable, yeah. you know, he yeah. was mentally very tough. And I just think he's kind of probably he's probably kind of hitting the peak of his career or coming up to that. Even though, like we say, he's a little bit old, I think you know he's he's banging his groove now. And I think you know, Carl's like he's had some problems out at ring with all those court cases and stuff. Which you know, where you're out, he's had a long break from boxing while that's gone on due to COVID, obviously as well. But I think uh, I'd make I'd make Jamal. Not a heavy favourite, not you know, not not a massive favourite, but I'd uh, I'd edge him over Carl at the moment. We've got a bit of time left. I thought uh, we'd do a little social media question and answer, and we've had a decent amount of questions coming across Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So we'll get an uh, answer for some of the listeners now. And you received a decent amount, uh, which we would have expected. But there's even a couple in there for you, Rich, and Tom's got a couple in there as well. So. A few are fairly generic. So we'll, we'll have a stab at answering them. Um, okay. And, and I'll start with some of the ones for you that have come in. I'll reference some of these people who have referenced him, but some of the names are not particularly suitable for a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'll go with, so at John Kirk 75 wants to know, who was the biggest influence in your career? The biggest influence in my career was, uh, I think I'd have to say my father, he, uh, he was the one who introduced me to boxing first, taught me to a boxing gym. It's hard to just say one person because he was like my dad. He was never one of those pushy dads. Like when he was amateur, I'd make my own way to the gym. He was never like, he was always, you do it off your own back. But um, I think every, every um, child who's got that, you know, a good relationship with the father, they want to make them proud, don't they? They want to make the parents proud. And, and that was it. So I'd say, like, yeah, I'd say my father later on, my son come on in life. So obviously that was it. I did motivation. And 
just sort of, you know, my old, my old sort of training team, anyone who put the effort into me and people who come and sort of bought tickets for me, that was, that was always, I wanted to think they're spending their hard earned money or giving me time and I want to do the best for them. But if I had to say one person, it would be my father. <laughs> nice. And uh, we've got another one here. Let's have a look. So, at KO Punting, who John is a guy who I believe he follows me and uh, Tom on Twitter. He's a quite a big time boxing better. He knows his uh, knows his onions. What this is to you, Ant, as well. What was it like facing off against Lomachenko? Was he as good as you thought he'd be? And was there anything about his game that actually surprised you? Um, yes, he was. You no, know, he wasn't as good as what I thought he'd be. He was better. He was much better. Um, <laughs> And it's, I knew he was um, great. And listen, I, and this certainly isn't an excuse because I'm not suggesting for one minute I would have turned the result around. I think there's a few things I wish I would have done different in there and sort of just in the last sort of final bits of build-up. But that's, it's, it's one of them. He, what, what I thought was different, I knew how good his distance was, you know, how he judged the distance, but it was even better than he expected. And it was, it was just sort of how he, how he didn't waste punches, how he didn't waste punches was uh, very impressive for me. I think, you know, my career stood me in good stead, you know, my defence, sorry, stood me in good stead throughout my career, but he opened me up and opened me up very quickly. Um, like I said, I wish I would have done things a little bit different, but listen, there's no excuses. He was, um, he was by far the best I've ever been in with, not just on fight night, but even in the gym, I've been in with a lot of joint sparring and, alongside works alongside and he was yeah i think he's a once in a lifetime fighter isn't there yeah sure we've got um we've got one more in from john so i'll read that out um this is again for you Ant. but given that we've kind of covered this i suppose on the podcast as we've gone over it but it's still relevant uh given the current crop of talent at lightweight who of that group do you see as the best of the bunch and what matchup from that group would you most like to see as a boxing fan Mm, if I had to, as a boxing fan, I'm not sure it, that would come under a boxing fan. I would love to see uh, Ryan Garcia Gavante Davis because he's been brewing for such a long time and I think it's a great fight, but I think the build-up would be <laughs> every bit as interesting as a fight. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I think, I think yes, yeah, so I think that is, that is the one that I'd go with. Who do I think the rest of the lot? Listen, at the minute, you've got to say Lopez. You've got to say Lopez um, at the minute. I, I think um, if, if they all boxed right, right now, sort of, you know, everyone boxes in sort of the league format, I'd possibly put, put um, Lomachenko, who uh, would come on top. But I think right now you've got to say the number one out of all them, without a doubt, is Lopez. Cool, yeah. We've got uh, a couple here from Instagram as well. One for you, Rich. You're going to love this one. How good is Chris Eubank Jr.? And do you see him winning a legitimate world title at middleweight? Now you probably have to be a bit careful what you say or in case seniors listening, but uh, I'll let you uh, I'll let you let you crack on with that one. Yeah, my phone will ping me in two seconds if I said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, this is one and then um, me and Ant have spoke about this loads of times and I've you know I've had up meetings with other boxers and stuff about Junior and if you look, is Junior the most technically gifted boxer, you know, to ever grace middleweight and super middleweight? No, he isn't. But you can be the most gifted boxer. If you turn up and you're only 95 or 6% prepared physically, you are going to have a nightmare evening. Chris is supremely well-conditioned. 
he doesn't do any, he's got no bad habits outside other than his fashion sense. He's got no bad habits outside of boxing. Uh, so could I see him winning a legitimate version at world title? Yeah, I could, yeah. Because you've got to be bang on your game and perfectly prepared, not been going out drinking six weeks before. You've got to, you've got to be fully on your game. Not just to beat, you, know, you might beat him and scrape past, but if you're not physically prepared for it, you'll have a really difficult night. Yeah, sure. I mean, he's a relentless fighter. And I mean, that, is that all right? Is that all right, Mr. Eubank? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Phone's going off seniors on the blower. But, uh, <laughs> but, so we've got another one here from Instagram, the last one from Instagram. And this is from, this coming from multiple people. I've got a funny feeling this is going to be a question that's going to be reiterated about 2,000 times over the years. Uh, I'll go to you first, Tom. I think we can all have a stab at this one. Pretty straightforward. Who wins out of Fury and Joshua and why? <laughs> Thanks for coming to me first. Um, if Fury fights like he did in the second Wilder fight, Fury. If he fights like he did previously, well, but if he fights like that, like he did against Wallin or, you know, anything post-Klitschko, Joshua maybe, but on on form, on record, Fury. And you, Anne? Um, I've always said, I've said for a long time, um, a fit and focused Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight on the planet, and I think you've got to make him a pretty big favourite. Um, so, you know, if, if that fight happens, I, I can easily see how Joshua could win, but um, my, um, I'd be strongly um, going with Tyson Fury. I take it you're, uh, you're picking Joshua inside a round then, Rich, right? <laughs> no, this might be where I, drew, I bet on a 12-round draw. It's got that written all over. <laughs> this is killing your agreement with us, isn't it, Rich? Yeah, this is where <laughs> we go. No, I think, look, you know, anybody would have to make Tyson favourite after he, the way he bamboozled uh, and just walked down Wilder, but it's it's so easy for you know it's heavyweight boxing. In one second, everything changes, and there's no doubt that AJ is the much bigger puncher. So people will make Fury the favourite, and rightly so. But you know it's not a it's not a seventy thirty fight in my eyes by any stretch of the imagination. Right, moving on, we'll pick a couple up from Facebook. I suppose another one that we can all all three of you can have a kind of stab at. This is a good question, actually. From a betting angle, who is the one fighter that could potentially win a world title at long odds over the next 18 months that you wouldn't expect to win a world title? So I'm presuming they're kind of looking at someone where they could maybe get a four, five to one shot who you wouldn't think is going to win a world title and they eventually end up becoming world champion. Um, I'll start with you, Ant. Who's your... Put you oh, on the spot. Who's your pick for this? It's a, difficult, it's a difficult one, but... I was hoping that you wouldn't come to me first. Um... Sorry, the fighter who I think has got a great chance of winning a world title unexpectedly in the next 12 months, it was, just to repeat the question. Yeah, so someone who, someone over the next 18 months from a betting angle who could potentially win a world title, so I presume that they're looking at someone who basically don't think will win a world title and they will do. Um, um, I mean, my, my pick out of this would probably, this is a... I mean, whether he would be expected to win, I quite, and I'm not saying he definitely will, but Joe Joyce quite fascinates me in the way that he's yeah. been boxing lately. He's a... Very underrated. Yeah, very underrated. A guy who doesn't particularly look 
great on the eye, but um, I mean, he is a, a unit, isn't he? And he just kind of, he's yes. like psychologically, he just seems like unmoved from anything. So, I mean, I'd imagine that he'll go in against Usage and it'll be a big underdog against him. I actually, I'm not saying I would, I mean, a gun to my head, I would pick Usage, but it's, I still think he's, I feel, I think he's live in that fight. Um, he would be one that I would pick. That That's a great shout. Um, I, I don't know if this is, again, I don't know if you could count Liam Williams as someone who, because I think quite a few people now do expect him to, but being in a tough division, not sure if he's going to fight Andrade. Um, I fancy, I do fancy Liam Williams to win a world title, that's for sure. Um, I'm just trying to think of, there the will be fights, obviously opportunities come up, don't they? Opportunities come up. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I think, if, listen, it pushed. I, I like the Joyce shout, what you said. I think, um, is Liam Williams a bit too obvious? Are we allowed to go with Liam Williams? No, that's a good, that's a good shout. I think, I think that he's, uh, he's not really favoured. Again, it's kind of, he's, he's almost someone who no one wants to fight, isn't he? I mean, he calls yes. out. <laughs> when he gets season. his chance. He's called out every division from about light middleweight up to super middleweight on Twitter. Yeah, well. I think he's, the same like anyone can get it, I think really applies with him, Liam Williams. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going, um, I am, and I think, listen, the short term as well, because he's going to get his chance very soon. Um, I'm going Liam Williams. Cool. Um, I'll go to you, Rich. Um, you're not allowed to pick Kid Galahad. He's going to fight. Looks like he's going to fight Jazza Dickens. So other than Kid Galahad, unless you say, well, who, who'd you pick? Well, we've kind of touched on it. I think somebody who'd be a betting outsider against any of the champions every time would be Eubank Junior. But knowing how he prepares, he's always worth a bet. So I'd go for him. Okay, and you, Tom? Yeah, you know, I think Eubank Junior is a good a good shout. I think middleweight is opening up a little bit and you look at you know the, the top 10 there's, there's not a load for him to to fear there um i won't double up though i think someone i think someone like madrimov at light middle is you will have a bit of work to do to kind of get around you know charlo and, and herd and, and that lot but i think he's talented enough uh 18 months maybe jaron ennis down at welter yeah, that's a good shout. Um, good shout. We'll move a last, last one here that's coming from Facebook. Uh, and this is for you, Tom. This is, this is a funny one, this. Uh, okay. <laughs> have you ever bet on an Anthony qualifier? And if so, was it for him <laughs> to win or lose? <laughs> what did I ever do to you, Chris? <laughs> Humble, <laughs> no, 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 fibbing, pal. You've got to be honest. Hey, if you want to mute me, I feel free. You can, uh, you can mute me. I won't take offence. <laughs> I think I might have to mute myself. <laughs> um, God, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know what? When I'm thinking of Anthony Crawler and my previous bets, there are two, there are two fights that come to mind. On you're putting me on the spot here. One <laughs> is that Darlis Perez fight in the first fight and um, had you winning clearly and on that one. I think most people did actually. I remember back, I backed you before the fight and I backed you in play as well and ended up yeah. obviously with that dodgy majority draw in there and yeah. that, one, that one stung a bit. Um, 
Mm. The other one, actually, I, I mentioned, that, and this always comes to come to my head. And Chris, you'll know I'm, I'm quite partial to a draw bet every every so often. I, I've got a good record on them actually, but I've never landed a draw double on the same night. Oh wow! I've landed no, draw, never landed a draw double, let alone on the same not not only on the same night, but let alone on the same card. So when the where was it? Uh, Derry Matthews, second fight. Yeah, Belu uh, Chilemba undercard. Um, that fight ended a draw, and uh, Crawley Matthews, two, ended a draw. And I looked at it and I thought, to be honest, I was never close to backing the draw in either, you know. Um, but I looked at it and thought, both of those together, as much as I like a draw, that would have paid out at what, 200 to one, something like that. Um, yeah, that still keeps me up at night every so often. That was like a Boris Johnson COVID press conference at how we got around. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, plenty of uh, great insight there, Tom, as uh, normal. And that kind of wrap, about wraps things up. And I just want to say thanks again, guys, for coming on. I really appreciate your uh, really time. Um, for the listeners, there's plenty of insight and analysis that boxing bettors and fans can take away from that. If you want to catch even more boxing analysis, and you can follow the new boxing chat show, Weighing In, which features Anthony and Richard, alongside former Cruiserweight world champion Johnny Nelson. Um, it's fully interactive and available when you download the Pitch Boxing app, which is available under at Pitch Boxing on Instagram and Twitter. And for listeners, for all of our odds that we've talked or discussed about on the podcast today, they're all available at pinnacle.com and remember to always gamble with confidence.